Well, we're now entering the third day of Alyssa Milano's sex strike, bringing to hundreds of millions the number of men not having sex with Alyssa Milano. Milano announced she would stop having sex with all the men as a protest against a new law in Georgia that prohibits abortion after the sixth week of pregnancy. In a tweet to her dozens of fans and lovers, who, for all I know, are the same people, Milano said, quote, if I can't kill a six-week-old baby, then I'm going on sex strike so I won't conceive a child, which will solve the whole problem, which I wish I'd thought of in the first place, unquote. The announcement of Milano's sex strike sent a panic through America's male population who had to start, start scrambling to find ways to satisfy their sexual desire other than Alyssa Milano. One man from Kansas City, who said he wished to remain anonymous, told the Daily Wire, quote, at first, I tried pleasuring myself while watching old reruns of Who's the Boss, but I rapidly discovered that watching Who's the Boss and pleasure just could not occur simultaneously. Same with Melrose Place and all the other shows Alyssa Milano has been in. Finally, it occurred to me that Alyssa Milano's sex strike didn't actually affect me since she's some Hollywood actress I've never met and I wasn't having sex with her anyway. So I just went home to my wife, who's always been very nice to me and makes an absolutely spectacular meatloaf and is pretty good at sex, too." Unquote. Many feminists, however, flocked to join Milano's sex strike, though a feminist sex strike is sort of like a Hollywood writer's strike, since most of the people going on strike haven't been working all that much anyway. Milano says she will continue to withhold sex until Georgia learns that it must obey the wishes of people in Hollywood or it will become a state unto itself. And no one wants that. Trigger. I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray, oh, hooray, hurrah. So here's a fun trick you can try at home. If you want to solve America's constitutional crisis, turn off the TV and poof, it's gone. In fact, most of the country's crisis level problems from Donald Trump's destruction of our constitution to catastrophic climate change to the handmade tale level of oppression of women simply vanish if you don't listen to the people telling you they exist. This can always change. Crises can arise at any moment. I think we need to reform entitlements to lessen our debt and we need to get our border under control. But right this minute, the biggest question facing Americans is who is going to win the Iron Throne. This is because Trump has done a good job in spite of irresponsible Democrat resistance and preening cover-your-butt Republican inaction, so good-going President the Donald. And in this crisis-free moment caused by simply not listening to people screaming on television, it's a good time to take a look at something essential at the, about the fight that we're in, namely, when we are at our best, conservatives are battling for timeless principles and the processes that protect those principles, and at their worst, as they are right now, the left is fighting for pure power over the country and over reality. If I wanted to drop spoilers, I would now make another comparison to Game of Thrones, but you know what I mean. We will talk about all that in a second, but first, let's talk about Stamps.com. We love Stamps.com, especially here in L.A., I just don't have time to go to the post office. It's around the corner, but in L.A., that's 45 minutes away, right, because of the traffic. Stamps.com is one of the most popular time-saving tools, especially for small businesses. It gives you all the amazing services of the U.S. post office right in your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, or just a one-man business like me, Stamps.com handles it all with ease. Once your mail is ready, just hand it to your mail carrier, drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. Stops 
Stamps.com is a no-brainer. And right now, my listeners can get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Claven. That's Stamps.com. Enter Claven. Write your first letter today to the library saying, how do you spell Claven? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. That's all you need to know to get your Stamps.com. I got to say, going back to the sex strike for a minute, I have to question the wisdom of this sex strike, since all the women who support abortion, and I don't want to say they're all screaming, meme hellish feminist horrors and, you know, harridans. I don't want to say that. Uh, um, but all these women going on sex strike, aren't they already sleeping with pro-abortion little wimpy guys with frizzy little beards who sit around drinking lattes? I mean, isn't that who they're sleeping with to begin with? So now you got these guys who, let's face it, you know, we're not the sexiest guys to begin with. And now they can't get any action at all while all the conservatives are home with their wives whooping it up. So <laughs> I don't know about the wisdom of this, but it's to protest this abortion and Knowles was at this abortion march in Philadelphia that was started by our own Matt Walsh. And I'm going to sing Walsh's praises. I call Matt the uh, the Catholic Michael Knowles, uh, just to bug Knowles. But um, we'll get we'll get to that in a, a minute. But uh, I've got to sing his praises for pulling this thing together. Uh, really important what he did and really important what he said. And I want to talk about that. Um, but I also want to talk uh, to the people I was visiting in Danville, California, because I was uh, giving a speech there uh, that was hosted by uh, two lovely people, uh, the Rudys, uh, Linda and Mike Rudy, um, who are forming a uh, an organization based in, it's, it's growing out of the Catholic Church, growing out of the Catholic movement, but to support the culture, which of course is this uh, passion of mine. And it was just incredibly encouraging to sit and talk with people uh, who care about the culture, about the arts, about the things that make, that change the way people uh, see the world. I've been preaching this to conservatives now forever and getting no, basically no help uh, whatsoever. And so it's really nice to talk to people who cared. I had, a, they invited me for a lovely dinner. I was sitting next to an archbishop. Uh, I told my wife I was explaining <laughs> to the archbishop why the fall of man was actually kind of funny. Uh, my wife said, how did that go? And I <laughs> I was like, not, not funnily enough, didn't go that well. <laughs> you know, you, you have that, ever have that experience where you're explaining something uh, to your spouse, and as the words are coming out of your mouth, you're suddenly slowly realizing it probably wasn't a great idea. But as I said to my wife, it, it's, it's actually more fun to be me who would say that to an archbishop than somebody who's always worried about what's coming, who has tact and class and style and is worried about what's coming out of his mouth. Uh, it's, it's more fun to be a, a fool like myself. Um, but anyway, let us talk about the abortion argument because. One of the things I love about hanging out with Catholics, and I am, so many of my friends are Catholics, is that you're always talking about principle. You can disagree. Sometimes I do disagree, but at least we're talking about, we're almost always talking on the same level of principle. And and that is a, as opposed to power. And so we saw last week, I played it on the show, we saw this guy, Brian Sims, a local uh, Pennsylvania uh, legislator, went out and bullied these teenage girls who were praying in front of an abortion clinic, praying for the unborn, praying for the women who were uh, in trouble and were solving that problem by killing their babies. And this guy went out and bullied them and threatened to dox them and put them on film and all this. It was just, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing that a grown man uh, would do that. And so Matt Walsh, God bless him, went on Twitter and said, you know, we ought to hold a rally uh, and, uh, you know, and, and fight back. And uh, our friends uh, from live action, uh, Lila, Lila Rose, have I got that name right? Yes, of course. Um, 
and uh, and they actually put it together and helped him out. And Walsh went out, and he just made some fantastic points, I thought. First of all, he went after Brian Sims and said, man up, you're picking on teenage girls. You want to come after somebody, come after me. This is his argument with Sims. We are sending a message to bullies like Brian Sims. And that message is very simple, that we will not be intimidated. We will not be silenced. So, Brian, maybe now you understand something, but if you try to shut us up, we're only going to get louder. And if you, if you try to shame us, we're only going to stand taller. And if you try to scare us, we're only going to get bolder. That's the way this works. And I'll tell you the reason for that is because we know that our cause is just. We know that we are right. We are firm in that truth. We have truth on our side, and we will wield it like a sword to defend the unborn. And you may wonder why Walsh is wearing those dark sunglasses, because he's stoned out of his head. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. That's just part of, part of his style. But he's, he's going up and talking to Sims, and he's just saying, you know, you can't bully us. But, but more importantly, let's think about this for a minute. Let's talk about the principle, because all of these arguments have a principle. And what is the principle of the pro-abortion movement? It is women's freedom and equality, right? It's not fair. It's not fair that men have sex and walk away and women have are stuck uh, oftentimes carrying the burden, which is a new life. And that is an actual thing. And, you know, they are for women's freedom. Guess what? So am I. Despite all the jokes that I make, I am for women's freedom. I believe in individuals. If you ask me, yesterday was Mother's Day. I hope you had a lovely Mother's Day. If you ask me, that's the most important job on earth being an at-home mom, building a home for your husband and your family, that to me is where all of life, all of principle, all of joy starts. And if you do that, you know, I, I hope you will have time to have a second half of your life after the kids leave and do other things as well. That's great. But to me, that is the most important thing you can do. But if you are an individual woman who says, I choose a different way, I want to be the CEO of a company, I want to sit around, you know, I, I, I hate all these. Every single TV show has women posing like men, with their hands on their hips, looking like men, looking grim the way men look. Women, if you watch them, women smile a lot more than men do, so they're always looking grim, and that's supposed to get us to respect them like we respect men. That's not the way I feel about life. I respect women as women. I respect women because they're women. Uh, because, you know, if they're womanly, if they're womanly, I find that a great gift, a great enhancement uh, to, to the world and to life. So those, that's what I think. But if you are, as an individual, disagree with me, I got no power over you, and not only that, I don't care how you live. I'm happy for you to live out your life the way you want to live your life. So I'm for women's freedom. The problem is the principle doesn't work because you can't get your freedom by killing innocent people. It's that simple. It's that simple. A baby in your womb is another person. It's a different person. It's a human person. You can't kill it. That's as, It's as simple as that. And Walsh makes some brilliant points as he goes on just talking about principle. Here it is. We are here for the 60 million, 60 million. Keep that number seared into your conscience. 60 million babies have been slaughtered since Roe v. Wade. That's well over 3,000 a day, 1.3 million a year. And this is not just any 60 million. Think about the victims we have chosen, children. The most innocent, the most pure, the most beautiful of all people are the precise ones we have targeted. These are people who have harmed no one. They have done nothing wrong. They are filled with joy and potential and love. And if we cannot see the worth and value in a child, then who can we see it in? Now, they call abortion a reproductive rights issue. It is not. Because by the time the abortion happens, reproduction has already occurred. 
Nobody is suggesting that a woman should be forced to reproduce. What we're arguing is that nobody has the right to kill a human that has already been produced. Abortion is not a reproductive decision. Abortion is a parenting decision. Am I going to kill my child or care for him? That, I mean, that's a, a brilliant argument about reproductive rights. So much of the abortion argument is about reframing what you're doing and using different words to describe what you're doing. Uh, you know, reproductive rights, a woman's right to choose. You know, it's like they just never want to call it what it is. And that's why they want to they knock down. If you, you know, if you put up a stand with pictures of what an abortion looks like, they'll come and knock it down because they don't want you to see. They don't want you to know. They don't want you to see what the, the truth of this issue is. And, and Walsh is making brilliant points. And the, my, my problem is, my problem is that here he is arguing principle. You have a right to come back and argue your principle, a woman's rights, a woman's freedom, all those things. Yeah, again, I support those things. I just don't think you can get them by killing innocent people. That's my, that's my whole problem. That's is, is my problem entirely. But the left has depended on pure, raw power. Roe v. Wade, pure, raw power. That's all it is. It is five, I think it was, maybe six, justices deciding that, no, you don't get a right to argue this in your community. You don't get a right to set the laws in your own state. The Constitution does not enumerate, does not enumerate abortion as something that the this federal government can control. And the way they got to that was saying that there is a hidden life, uh, right to privacy in the Constitution. I have to tell you something. I actually agree with that argument. I think there is a hidden right to privacy, just like there's a hidden right to cross state lines. It doesn't say in the Constitution that you can cross state lines, but there is a hidden right for to free travel freely uh, in, in the Constitution. There is a hidden right uh, emanating from the penumbers of the whatever the hell they say uh, of the Constitution, a hidden right to privacy. I agree. But privacy does not include, oh, well, yes, I killed my wife, but I killed her in private. And she was in my home at the time. So it's fine. You know, that's obviously not what privacy means. This is pure power versus principle. And the same goes, the same goes for the argument the left is having with Donald Trump. It's not about principle. It's about power and it's about personality. It's about Trump's sometimes annoying personality or certainly obstreperous personality, although I've begun, as he's doing a good job, I've begun to enjoy his obstreperous personality more and more. But still, but still, I get it. You don't like him. That's fine. I, I didn't like Barack Obama. I thought he was a narcissistic fop. You know, that's, that's fine. But that's not what we're arguing about. And if we, if we don't keep the argument on principle, because on principle, we are winning. On principle, we are winning. There is no argument against what Walsh said there. There's no argument against what he said. It's not about reproduction. You've already reproduced. That is a brilliant, brilliant piece of good Catholic. This is what I love about those Catholics, man. They always got the, the reasoning going on. You know, and, and I just think that, that is, that's the important thing. So we have the same thing with Donald Trump. You know, you can have problems with Donald Trump. I had problems with Barack Obama. I didn't agree with Barack Obama. But Barack Obama was my president. He was my president. He was a duly elected president of the United States. My problem was when he forced things down America's throat, subverting the Constitution. Even Obamacare, which you could say, well, he passed it. Yes, but he rammed it through using some of the dirtiest ta tactics I've ever seen. And he ran through a major, major bill without bipo any bipartisan support. 
I thought that that was bad news. More importantly, more importantly, were things he did where he subverted the Constitution, where he pardoned illegal immigrants with a stroke of his pen. He does not have the right to do that. Where he silenced uh, oppositional voices using the IRS, he did not have a right to do that. And increasingly, I believe, this spying on the Donald Trump campaign using the FBI. He did not have a right to do this. And, you know, when you look at James Comey, it is so interesting to me how often Democrats, once they're out of power, the Democrats start saying, hmm, maybe he was an anti-constitutional piece of garbage. Hmm, you know, maybe Bill Clinton did rape women. Maybe, hmm. And now James Comey is suddenly the hero, the GOP James Coney, who started this thing and who has been going around parading like he is uh, the right, the last righteous man in America, which is really embarrassing. The GOP has put out this ad, this great ad of how the Democrats felt about James Comey when he did something that hurt Hillary Clinton when he came out and said we were reopening this case. Uh, this is cut number seven, uh, uh, this GOP uh, ad they put out, which is just brilliant, of Democrats talking about James Comey. Democrats have been very critical of James Comey, and many of us did call for his resignation. Well, I was appalled by what Director Comey did. Comey acted in an outrageous way. He made a mistake. Maybe he's not in the right job. Howard Dean, former Democratic candidate for president, says, quote, he may have destroyed the credibility of the FBI forever. This was a very serious error in judgment. The president ought to fire Comey immediately, and he ought to in initiate an investigation. What he did was unprecedented and outrageous, damaged the institution of law enforcement in this country. The lowest moment in the history of the FBI. I found it hard to believe that Comey, who I thought had some degree of integrity, would do this. All I can tell you is the FBI director has no credibility. That's it. <laughs> so now, now the, the left i.e. the media, but I repeat myself, is giving Comey every chance to parade this persona he has invented, this persona of, you know, sanctimonious probity. You know, he is, he is the core of, uh, of sacredness in America and sacred higher values in America. This guy who violated every principle, every principle of American governance by sending a spy, spies, to stop Donald Trump. And again, again, if you're arguing principle, I will argue with you all day. I don't even care anymore about Trump's personality because some of it I like. I like the way he violates political correctness and the way he takes on the press, and the way he understands that we're in a battle over narrative and all this stuff. Love all that. But I, I don't even want to argue about it. I just want to know what the guy is doing. Is he upholding the principles of the country or, or is he not? And Comey has turns everything now into this a uh, self-righteous, moralistic, you know, I'm the good guy, you're the bad guy argument. He went after uh, Rod Rosenstein, who is just now stepping down from the Justice Department. The comments he made about Rod Rosenstein just to me uh, brought out the ugliness of who this guy is. Uh, this is uh, 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 cut number one. I think people like that, like Rod Rosenstein, who are people of accomplishment, but not real sterling character, strong character, find themselves trapped. And then they start telling themselves a story to justify their being trapped, which is, yeah, he's awful, but the country needs me. The Republicans are doing this in Congress now. Yeah, it's awful, but if I speak, I'll get defeated. And this nation needs me here right now. And in the process, 
He has eaten their soul. They're lost. So Rod Rosenstein, you're saying, is a person not of a strong character. Yeah, I don't think he is. Of accomplishment, very bright, but he's not strong enough. There's, there he is, James Comey, former head of the FBI, pronouncing on Rod Rosenstein's soul and how it's being eaten by Donald Trump. And I, I had to wonder, I mean, this was another one of these softball CNN, um, in, you know, town halls. And obviously, at this point, nobody's watching CNN, so it's hard to know whether you should even play it. I mean, whether you should even, get the, like, as I, as I said, la, you know, uh, last week, there's more prostitutes than there are CNN viewers, and good thing, too, since prostitutes actually perform a service. But, you know, I wonder, like, did they, did they get squeamish? I mean, I got squeamish when I was listening to this. I was thinking, ooh, you know, stop doing that. And what was hilarious is, you know, Rosenstein had his farewell to the Department of Justice uh, over the weekend, and... Um, uh, Bill Barr, the current, uh, obviously, attorney general, uh, gave him a sort of little roast of a send-off, uh, which included this, which drove the left insane because they are completely untouched by the panic and hysteria and the crisis-mongering of the left. Listen to this. There's been a debate raging for the last few months, and, and uh, I think we have to get it resolved and decided tonight, and that is... Which one of us is capable of the most deadpan expression? <laughs> now, I, I know this is a little unfair because I do my best work in, in the hearing, in congressional hearings. <laughs> Rod does his standing behind the attorney general at press conferences. <laughs> so, what do you say? Is it Rod or me? Rod? <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 minutes. He stood with a dead band for 20 minutes. Anyway, I just like that because, I mean, just compare for a moment the difference between James Comey's sanctimonious attacking other people's souls, talking about their souls and where, you know, James Comey has decided their souls are, and these guys basically understanding this is all politics, it's all power uh, play, and it, it really should not be affecting them or changing the way they look at things and keeping their senses of humor. But I have to return to James Comey because this was Anderson Cooper giving him this softball um, platform in which to, to say, basically, yeah, you know, I, I investigated um, a, a, an oppositional presidential candidate. But what about it? What about it? Trying to turn what was pure power politics into principle. And I'll, let me play it first and then uh, respond. We acted in a responsible, limited, and constrained way. I'm proud of the way we conducted ourselves. You said it's not spying. Why do you think Attorney General Barr used the word spying, which is obviously a word that the president has used as well? I can't explain it. I mean, the only explanation I can think of is he used it because the president uses it, which is really disappointing. He knows better than that and knows that the FBI conducts electronic surveillance by going to federal judges and getting warrants based on probable cause. But, but sending uh, uh, an investigator undercover to meet with uh, somebody who is connected to the campaign. Uh, they claimed he was later on just a coffee boy. Um, that is an extreme step, no? No, it's a reasonable... The, that was the guy, Papadopoulos, who was the subject of the information we got from the Australians, that he had talked to the Russians. Did you sign off on the investigator going? I don't remember talking about that particular step of my team. I knew they were trying to see if they could check it out. That's a totally normal step. See if you can get somebody close to the person. That's a totally normal step. 
First of all, there's a real question about whether the FBI themselves or, or the CIA fed the information to Papadopoulos so they'd have something to investigate. That is an open question right now, okay? The other thing is Comey knows he's in trouble. Comey's the one person in this whole story who could actually end up doing a perp walk. I don't think he will because I don't have a lot of faith in the way our government works about this stuff. But still, I, he's... he. You can tell he he doesn't remember whether he signed off on it because later he's going to have to talk to a judge about whether he did or not. So Trey Gowdy is on. Jason Chaffetz was uh, hosting for Hannity, uh, doing a very good job. And he had Trey Gowdy on and he asked him about this little exchange uh, where he says, yeah, it's totally, totally normal to go spy. Uh, it's not spying, it's surveillance. Not, you know, you can tell the difference between surveillance and spying. Surveillance has many, many more letters in it. So there's, it's totally different to secretly surveil somebody uh, than it is to actually spy on them, which is short and sort of accurate. Uh, but it, Gowdy talks about the way uh, he says it's totally normal to go spy on an opposition campaign. I am sure that crackerjack reporter who hosted the town hall asked Jim Comey with specificity, what was the factual predicate? If the FBI ran an informant in on George Papadopoulos, what was the factual predicate for doing so? Did the FBI also provide the factual predicate that they then tried to extract back from George Papadopoulos? And how in the world did someone with a historical level of animus, like Peter Strzok, how in the world did you ever pick him to, read an, to lead an investigation into someone he thought would be destabilizing for the Republic. This is what you need to remember about Jim Comey, Jason. This is, this is all you got to remember. If Rod Rosenstein had not fired him, he would still be the FBI director. The guy who talks about souls being eaten and the guy who says everybody else lacks character, he'd still be on an Air Force jet sipping wine, crossing the country, had he not been fired. So this paragon of virtue, Jim Comey, self-described paragon of virtue, would still be the FBI director, still working for an administration that he thinks is too good for impeachment had he not been fired. That That is a great point. That is a great point. That had he not been, and, and everything he did by his own admission afterwards has been vengeance against Trump for firing him. And you can see the, uh, the animus, talk about a historic animus toward Trump. You can see the rage he still holds to Trump. He's put Trump in the position of the devil. It's the devil who devours souls. So, so in, but in Comey's mind, if you fire that paragon of virtue, James Comey, you're the devil. Is it principle or is it power? Are we, look, Republicans are perfectly capable of playing power games. Sometimes in Washington, you have to play power games. My, my point now is that all the left is doing is playing power games because they have lost the argument on principle. Obviously, the economy works better when you cut regulation, when you cut taxes. Tax revenue is going up. It's going up. We're just spending so much money that it doesn't matter that it's going up, but it's going up even after the, the Trump tax cuts, okay? So are we arguing about principle? Are we arguing about power? What James Comey did what the FBI did, I believe, it's not proved yet, but I believe, was an abuse of power. And if you're going to argue that Trump is destroying the country, you have got to point to somewhere, somewhere where Donald Trump has violated the Constitution the way and, and the principles of the Constitution, the way Obama did when he misused the IRS, the way Obama did when he misused the State Department, the way Obama did when he misused the Department of Justice. And you can't. You can't do it. I, I would be on Trump's case. I would fall on Trump like a ton of bricks if I thought he was uh, dismissing the principles of the Constitution. You want to see how fast principle disappears for the left? Mark Hemingway... Uh, one of the luckiest men in America because he's married to Molly. But, but Mark Hemingway wrote a piece for the Wall Street Journal uh, saying, talking about the fact that the scandal in Virginia has vanished, 
right? The scandal in Virginia has vanished. Remember the governor in blackface? Oh my gosh, though, he must step down. He must step down. He says, you drive around Northern Virginia, you'll see no sign that only three months ago, the state was the epicenter of one of the most embarrassing and horrifying political scandals in recent memory, right? You just forgot about all the, the scandal about involving abortion, multiple instances of politicians wearing blackface, sexual assault allegations. It hasn't resulted in a single resignation. Why? Because they realized that it would help the GOP. And so the press, the left, stepped down. They're not talking about principle. They're talking about power. And so when they come to you and say to you, oh, this politician did that, and that politician did this, and this politician looks at women the wrong way and said this to a woman, it's always about power. It's never about principle. Let me finish this by talking about Facebook for a minute, because this is important. This is a big battle, this thing where, where Facebook and Twitter are culling conservatives in preparation for the 2020 race. That's what they're doing. That's why Trump should come down on them like a ton of bricks. They they threw uh, James Woods off Twitter. James Woods, an open uh, conservative actor, uh, a, a very powerful spokesman. They threw him off. He said he's not coming back. He's not coming back because if they don't have free speech, he doesn't want to be involved with them. That's very principled. Uh, Laura Loomer, who is a kind of a troll uh, for the left. She didn't take it as well. She was banned from Facebook and Instagram. She went on Infowars talking to Alex Jones and she kind of lost it. Mocked me and called me crazy, but what are they doing? I want to know what people are actually going to do. My life is ruined. Does anybody understand how ruined my life is? I'm sick of it. I don't want to listen to people tell me that I'm a conspiracy theorist. They don't know what it's like. No, I understand. I just think you need to go with it. And, uh, you know, it just, I understand I've been through this myself. But realize these are wars, these are hard. When Alex Jones is talking you down, you're too hysterical. <laughs> That's too, when he is the calm guy in the room, you're too hysterical. But look, I understand she's lost her income, she, her income. You know, guess who gets this? It's Kamala Harris. Last week we played, uh, we talked about the fact that Mark Zuckerberg's former, uh, partner, Chris Hughes, I think his name is, uh, called for Facebook to be broken up, saying it had too much power. Kamala Harris, you won't hear me agree with her often, but she came forward and she said this to Jake Tapper, that the guy is right. So they haven't been a great corporate model, but does that mean... But it's not just they haven't been a great corporate model, Do you Jake, think they should be broken but, up, is but, my question. Yeah, I think we have to seriously take a look at that. Yes. I mean, when you look at the issue, they're essentially a utility. Like, there are very few people that can actually get by and be involved in their communities or society or in, in whatever their profession without somehow, somewhere using Facebook. It's very difficult for people to be engaged in any level of commerce without. So we have to recognize it for what it is. It is essentially a utility that has gone unregulated. And as far as I'm concerned, that's got to stop. That, that's exactly right. They are a utility. It is like the phone company saying James Woods can't make a phone call because they don't agree with his politics. It is like that. And, and she's absolutely right. But if you want to know what the Democrats are going to do, listen to Cory Booker. If I'm president of the United States, I will have a Justice Department that uses antitrust legislation to do the proper investigations and to hold uh, industries accountable for corporate consolidation. So I Elizabeth think, Warren's already out there saying break up Facebook, break up uh, Google, but I, 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 I don't think break that, up Amazon. Right, but I don't think that a president 
uh, should be running around pointing at companies and saying breaking them up without any kind of process here. It's not me and my own personal opinion about going after folks. That sounds more like a Donald Trump thing to say, like, I'm going to break up you guys. No, we need to create systems and processes. You just compared Elizabeth Warren to Donald Trump. I I most certainly did not. Well, that's what she's saying. She's She's, the one that's saying that. Well, again, she has, let her discuss and (laughs) debate her positions. I'm telling you right now, we do not need a president that is going to use her own personal beliefs and tell you which companies we should break up. You know, that's what they're going to do, which is nothing. They're going to do nothing because Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all really, well, they're not all the same company, but they're kind of the same company. All of them are using their power to silence us in in preparation for the 2020 election. They don't have to silence you. They just have to make you think twice about what you're going to say and whether it's going to get you silenced. That's what they're doing. And once the Democrats realize they're their pals, and they will realize it, and they do realize it now, they ain't breaking up anybody because it's all about power. The principle will go by the boards just like it did in Virginia. All right, we got Michael Knowles coming up. We're going to talk about the abortion march and his appearance in Jefferson City, which is, I really want to hear about that as well. I got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube, but come over to dailywire.com and subscribe because you have money. We want your money. It's a very simple process. Give us 10 bucks a month, 100 bucks for the year. We will give you a subscription. We'll give you all kinds of great stuff, including if you've subscribed for the year, the Leftist Tears Tumblr, which you will need. The Babylon Bee says that archaeologists have found Jesus's Leftist Tears Tumblr, one of the funniest pieces they've done in a while. Uh, you can have one yourself, just like Jesus, if you subscribe to thedailywire.com. Knowles. How's it going? It's good to see you. Right. I, I called Matt Walsh the Catholic Michael Knowles. Was, <laughs> <laughs> he did something incredible. We got to toast the guy. He really it did. Was, yeah. uh, it was, you know, he sent yeah. out one tweet <coughs> and he said, we should all go to yep. Planned Parenthood and have a demonstration. Three days later, you had what CBS reports as over a thousand, thousand pro-lifers people. there. It was one of the most powerful events really? I've ever attended in my life. And no kidding. It was. I've, I've never been to a pro-life rally of that magnitude. Yeah. I've been to conservative rallies, which are pro-life. Yeah. But I've never been to such an explicit. Yeah. Also, I've never been that close to a Planned Parenthood that I know of. Uh-huh. I'm sure I've walked by them and I just yeah. didn't notice. That is a ghoulish place. That is a spooky, spooky place. Is it really? Yeah. And to see a thousand pro-lifers there, you know, there were politicians, there were political activists. And, you know, giving scientific arguments against abortion, giving ultimately what are philosophical (laughs) and theological arguments. And and you see these sort of concentric circles and then toward the back, just people reciting the rosary or praying. Mm, The big sign says, pray for Brian Sims. And it just struck me. I could have cried on the spot. It just struck me. It's all real. Yeah. It's all real. I know. It's all know. real. You know, you know, when I was uh, researching Gosnell, the scene actually made it into the movie. Uh, the cops go in and they find Gosnell was like any serial killer. He was keeping souvenirs of his kills. He was keeping babies' feet, right? And, and they, the cops went in and one cop turned to the other and said, is that normal? And the guy said, I've never been in an abortion clinic before. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I thought like, you know, that's re- it's real. It's, it's real. real. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And so the, the rally itself was unbelievable. There were about half a dozen pro-abortion protesters uh-huh. that wouldn't come up. Planned Parenthood does not allow its staff or its volunteer, even its volunteers, yeah. to speak to the pro-life demonstrators. They have uh, uh, patient escorts 
And the, the idea here is the patient escorts are, are bringing these women and protecting them from the violent, angry, intimidating pro-lifers. <laughs> yeah. You know, those people praying the rosary on the other block. <laughs> no, what it is is that Planned Parenthood needs volunteers to make sure that their customers don't finally come to their senses, don't wake up. Yeah. Nobody looks happy walking into an abortion clinic. Of course, Nobody's yeah. skipping for joy coming into an abortion and, and, clinic. And you know, what's, what's fascinating to me, Chris Cuomo did this the other day, is one of their arguments, and Peter Singer, that uh, the guy- Morally he, bankrupt he, the, philosopher. Exactly, yeah, from Princeton. Uh, they make the argument, well, this is a serious, you know, women take this uh, decision seriously. It's a painful decision. You're acting like it's not a painful decision. I think like, what does that got to do with anything? It's like, you know, yeah, I killed my wife, but it was a painful decision. It was painful. I shot my wife. You know, I, and by the way. I, I uh, took it seriously. You know? the, what the relation, what I choose to do with my wife should right. be between she, a man she, and his wife. She was in my house. She was in my and house. Says, and why are you interfering with my, you know. And, and, you know, it's interesting what the, what the right is doing with abortion is the same thing the left did with cigarettes. Is they're not. They're saying, okay, you got Roe v. Wade, this absolutely abuse, this absolute abuse of power that keeps us from voting the way we want to in our states. So we're just going to sort of just quietly make it unacceptable. And that is what the left did with cigarette smoking. Ultimately, you started to say, even I, who hate the fact that you can't smoke in a bar, I don't smoke anymore, but I hate the fact you can't smoke a cigarette in a bar. That's yep. what bars are for, is go in and drink and smoke cigarettes. Even I sort of was like, yeah, it is bad for you, you know what I mean? Like, and I think that ultimately... If we make the argument, the principled argument, when we start to say, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna just, we're only gonna outlaw abortion in abortion clinics and everywhere else. People, <laughs> people are gonna go like, eh, I'm against that, but I sort of see why. You know, well, it's, you know. that's that's a great analogy yeah. because I asked one of the handful of pro-abortion protesters. I said, so what are you here for? He said, we're protesting for our freedom, for our rights. I said, what about the rights of the baby who's being killed? He yeah. said, well, the baby's not a baby. It's a direct quote, the baby's not a baby. I said, what is it then? He said, He said, I don't know, what is it? I said, it's a baby. That was like that woman who said, when a woman is pregnant, that's not a human being that's inside her. I thought that's like the elevator pitch for a horror movie. But that was not the only place you were. And I saw this and I was really impressed with this because you got attacked in Missouri, the Congress of Missouri basically invited you to speak in their capital. I got to tell you, I have to I, say, I lowers had, my opinion of Missouri. I know, it lowers the opinion of Missouri. They, and luckily, my suit made it out of there this time, I, I all in one piece. A tie. I didn't know you owned a tie. I only <laughs> one. I only have one. I throw it on. I felt I owed the respect yeah. to the state senator of Missouri. Yeah. I was invited very graciously by state senator Eric Burleson in Missouri, a terrific mm. guy, a real tried and true conservative. And so he said, this is unacceptable. What happened at the University of Missouri, Kansas City? We're going to defend free speech. You can come here to the state capitol and, and give your speech and defend free speech. Yeah. So I didn't have to convince them that men are not women, which was the topic of my UMKC <laughs> yeah, speech. That is, that is controversial. So we, yeah. I gave a talk, a robust defense of free speech on campus and a defense of liberal education. The, the, the reception was just wonderful. I mean, yeah, they really, yeah. the, the state senate, uh, welcomed me in officially. Including Democrats? Or? Including Democrats. Yeah. They sort of looked up and said, mm, okay, you know. Yeah. The uh, assembly was, the, the House of Representatives there was very kind, gave me a standing ovation when I walked into that mm -hmm. chamber. The lieutenant governor was very kind. There was some great stuff going on there. They gave me a Missouri corncob pipe, a Missouri <laughs> meerschaum, so that was should, great. They shouldn't have done that because you'll smoke it. I it. know, I did right there, right, <laughs> right in the place. It, you know, it was really nice to see a functioning state legislature 
all the typical political machinations going on, but I got a little peek behind the scenes. After we defended free speech, I got to speak to at least the Republican legislators and make my case for defending liberal education on campus. They uh, strongly pressured the university chancellor who initially smeared me as some sort of bigot. He, um, there was a resolution in the House of Representatives on this topic. He then lied. This Chancellor Molly Agrawal is lying and saying he tried to call me to apologize. I'll show you my cell phone records. Haven't gotten any calls (laughs) from his office in Missouri. Uh, But at, at least he was dragged before that legislature and he had to promise not only that he would protect conservatives from being physically assaulted, but that he would punish students who use the heckler's veto. That's what need to, needs to be done. I know, yeah. and, it, and clearly the legislature took this very seriously. They got this guy to say that he would do it, to agree to do it as a policy at that school. Now, we know he's a liar. He's publicly lied multiple times. So I'm not, I, I wanna trust but verify, right. yeah. which is what the legislators told me they were gonna do. They had that <laughs> Reagan approach. We're gonna trust but verify with him. I think there was a major step forward for free speech on campus in Missouri, yeah. and I just hope they can repeat it in the rest of the nation. There's other stuff going on in Missouri, though. I mean, this it ties into our first story. Yeah. There is an abortion bill that is being debated this week, and it's got to happen by Friday because the legislative session is going to end. This is ju- another heartbeat bill, another bill yeah. to, to, that all these other states are doing, Georgia, around the country. The pro-life movement has never been winning more clearly than we are right now. And it's steady, and the science is on our side, the, the and the argument is, the argument the, is the, on the, our side. Right. Yeah, and yeah. This, is the, this is not the moment to go weak. No. This is the moment for every pro-life activist in the country yeah. to push as hard as you possibly can. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, you've got to solve your problem some other way besides killing people. It's That's just right. not the way we solve our problems. <laughs> what are you talking about on the show? We're going to be talking about how, according to the left, <laughs> life is a sexually transmitted <laughs> disease. We'll be talking about sex strikes from Aristophanes to Alyssa Milano. Oh, good. Okay. Everything in between. Somebody called it Alyssa Strata. Well, Alyssa Strata. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Knowles. Uh, before we get into a final reflection, we have to say our friend Jenna Ellis, who announced her engagement like 20 minutes ago, actually went through with it and got married uh, to the lucky David Reeves and intelligent David Reeves, who I propose she's now Jenna Ellis Reeves. And so we'll have to now have the Jenna Reeves spot instead of the Jenna Ellis spots. But congratulations uh, to both of them. I hope they have a wonderful time. And I think uh, you should see the pictures. Jenna looked gorgeous. She looked absolutely beautiful. Final reflection, Harvard University, while we're talking about principle and power, while we're talking about universities, this is from Reason Magazine, Harvard, or from the Reason website. Harvard University's administration has unilaterally surrendered to a mob of student activists demanding the termination of law professor Ronald Sullivan as faculty dean of Winthrop House, an undergraduate residence, because of his trauma-inducing decision to join Harvey Weinstein's legal defense team. So he joined uh, Ronald um, Ronald Sullivan, one of the first uh, Afri- he was he was one of the first African Americans to serve as a co-faculty dean. Has lost that position. He's still a Harvard professor, but he's lost that uh, position because the students said they were traumatized by the fact that he was defending Harvey Weinstein. This really got me, and I think reason is wrong about this in one way, and I'll talk about that in a second. John Adams, you, whom you remember from our Constitution, John Adams went to Harvard. 
John Adams defended the British after the Boston Massacre. You remember protesters threw snowballs at British soldiers. British soldiers opened fire. Uh, five people were killed and eight soldiers were accused of murder. John Adams, a revolutionary and anti-British uh, activist, took their case and got six of them off, got six of the soldiers acquitted, and he got two of them, their sentences reduced, uh, and they were uh, convicted of manslaughter. John Adams, who was a revolutionary, defended the British on principle. There are some people who say that he did it because he got a, uh, a spot in the legislature for it. But still, he was risking his reputation as a revolutionary by doing this. He, he risked uh, his reputation and he risked the favor of his fellows. Interestingly, the guy who was prosecuting him, Samuel Quincy, the guy who was prosecuting the British soldiers, was actually a loyalist. He was a loyalist. This is in the best in the best tradition of American governance, right? Everybody deserves a defense. I have picked on defense attorneys face to face. I've said to them, how can you do what you do? But I know that every single person deserves a defense. So when this guy went, uh, Ronald Sullivan went to defend Harvey Weinstein, he was acting not just in the best traditions of um, America, but in the best traditions of Harvard. And Harvard should be deeply, deeply ashamed of doing this. But the one thing I disagree with reason about is they were not caving in to student activists. They are the student activists. They created the student activists. They taught them, the administration of Harvard, the professors of Harvard taught them, speech is violence. Everybody who disagrees with you is a bigot. Oh my gosh, you're under threat because somebody has uh, done something to preserve the processes that defend your freedom that you don't like. When I say, for instance, that I, I think the uh, Supreme Court decision on gay marriage allowing, demanding that you permit gay marriage is wrong, it's not because of my feeling about whether gays should get married. It's because of my feeling of what the Supreme Court should be doing and what the states should be doing. These processes defend your freedom. The process of defending any person who needs a defense in court is one of the processes that defends your freedom. It is Harvard that created these kids. They are not caving into them, they are them. The kids should not be blamed. They have been stripped of their heritage. They have been had their heritage and their rights and their reason taken away from them. So this is what they think is important. And Harvard is simply uh, acting in feedback, in a feedback loop with the people they created. It's the administration that should be fired. It's the professors who taught them this should be fired. It is not the kids who should be punished. It is the professors in this case and the administration who are to blame and shame on them. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. We will be back tomorrow. Oh, hooray, hooray. The Andrew Claven Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. And our animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, Alyssa Milano leads a campaign against sex in order to fight Georgia's pro-life law. That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show.